Hey everyone, welcome to We The Trust. On this podcast, we talk about the issues that plague the lives of men, from sonship to fatherhood, fitness to finance, emotions to spiritual formation. We push the boundaries that make most men uncomfortable. My name is Mario Casada, a pastor, mindset coach, and brand strategist living in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I am joined by Eric Chang, an entrepreneur, fitness coach, and author living in Arcadia, California. Welcome to season two. Uh, this is Jesse Showalter. He is uh, he's out of Texas, out of around the Austin area in Texas. Right. He is um, a good friend, mentor, uh, uh, design aficionado, teacher, uh, YouTube superstar, uh, and uh, a really good friend uh, of of me and my family. <clears throat> and um, I get to introduce you to um, the WTT family here. And uh, I'm excited to bring him on. Uh, he's a family man. He's a Christian. He's um, he's devilishly handsome and He's a, he's a rock star as well. I mean, he's, you know, he's, it's everything that you wish you were when you were a little kid and, and got realized in one person. So, but not when you're an adult, you hope <laughs> no, to grow out of it oh, someday. And, and he's a, and he's a jujitsu white belt. I mean, come on. Oh, okay. All what right, more? All right. Yeah. What more? Can't beat that three stripe white belt. What's up? Hey, you got, hey, you got three stripes. More you, got stripes. Have, so. you got stripes. You got stripes, man. There you go. There we go. Yeah, thanks, uh, for, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to just invite you to just give us a little bit of a story, uh, your story, really, and um, um, about, you know, obviously surrounding around like being a high performer. What does that mean to you without losing your family? Um, and just kind of take us on your journey from from not being a super high performer. I mean, you've always been kind of a high performer individual, but like this is a new kind of, this is, this is a different, different type of thing that you've actually stepped into in the last five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to like, like rewind like too far, but I, I think that I have, uh, if I was really to like, think about it in a deep way, um, I think I've always felt, um, like a little tinge of insecurity and like, I'm always behind the eight ball. Like I missed something and everybody else is ahead of me. Um, so I uh, grew up in Northern California, spent a lot of time in Hawaii, joined the Marine Corps. Um, and uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I served in the infantry. Um, I just felt like all of a sudden there's not a whole lot for, for guys to get out of the infantry and shoot guns and rockets to, to do with that uh, skill set. So I found myself like washing dishes, waiting tables and playing music. And then I just, I just felt like, all of my, I had these like adventurous years where I was like traveling and doing stuff. And then all of a sudden, every friend of mine who had gone to college was like starting careers. They had certain skills, they were doing stuff. And I was still like, I literally woke up one day and I was like 23 years old and I was living uh, on the top of a bunk bed. I was sharing a room with another grown man and I had the top bunk and I was washing dishes for a living. And go. I just constantly had this feeling of like, I'm so behind, like I mm. need to catch up, I need to catch up. And I think mm. that's always been there even when I was a kid. And so 
um, you know, fast forward, um, you know, I met my, my now wife, then girlfriend, who was the first person to really like grab me by the face, like first and introduce me to Jesus. And secondly, introduce me to a little bit of confidence and say, Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want to do. You're not behind. You're just, you're right where God has you. So find something you like to do and Mm -hmm. let's, let's get after it. Let's do it together. Um, so I found design. I started, I was playing in bands and making a bunch of like junky punk rock posters. I think the first thing I ever had, I was like, I had a bootleg Filipino version of like Photoshop seven and was just wow. like learning how to use it. Everything was atrocious and really bad. And I wanted to give up so much, but the whole time I'm like, I'm so far behind. So, um, I think my high performing started off early as a feeling of insecurity. Like I need mm. to do more. I need to catch up. I need to be like everybody else. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it probably moved later on into a season of passionate high performance. Like I Mm -hmm. I found something that I love. I'm excited about it. And I want to do, do, do. We could talk a lot later about how I almost did lose my family, about how, you know, Mm -hmm. when I find passions, I go all in on them. And it caused my wife at times to call those activities, those hobbies, those pursuits a mistress. Um, so mm. there was a season of my life where those things became like passion based, you know, high performing. And then um, I, I'm hoping now that I'm in a season of performance where it's not about performing because I feel insecure or performing due to an adrenaline rush or a dopamine rush, but yeah. instead having created uh, healthy habits and routines that things start to work like like kind of clockwork a little bit more now. And my high performance is more based off of a contractual agreement between the Lord and my wife and myself and our Mm. goals in life um, and a recalculation of what those goals um, are. So instead of now not feeling insecure or impressing people, I'm hoping that high performance looks like making much of Jesus um, and finding contentment, but still being able to crush it and Um, bring a, be a light that so shines just with how I work in the marketplace to bring awareness. If that makes sense. I feel like that was a long journey, a long ride, but I hope that was helpful. Man, that I was talking to Mark. We were talking about you earlier this week. Today's Thursday, right? And I, I, I'm getting goosebumps because I feel like, like I have my, like my shirt right now feels tingly. And going hard right now. Um, Because, (laughs) because, uh, Man, like you're everything that you're saying right now just resonates so much with the season that I'm in. Like Byro keeps telling me, it's funny because ironically, our season two is called Being, and he's like, "Dude, you just need to be." He keeps like t- telling me that over and over, like like a freaking older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm just like, that okay, uh, yeah, exactly. And and everything that you just said, like I I I, I jump back right now. I, I'm in a season of jumping back and forth between, you know, it's like I I feel like I do. I had the exact same story where it's like it started with insecurity and then now it's like out of, coming out of a place of overflow but then I'm, I'm I, there's this constant tension of a back and forth of insecurity and overflow if that makes sense yeah and I'm, I feel like I'm always not always there but it's like I ride a high, high season of overflow then the season of insecurity and then it always re- results in performing but it's 
I would just love to hear more, man. That's, that's amazing. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think like, you, you know, when you're talking about that, it makes me think of, and, and I know like, I know Mario's experiences. I've experienced this. Anybody in the creative industry that wants to make a go at having like a creative career, especially if you do like any kind of freelance work has experienced the feast or famine mode of yeah. your career. Like I have, I have no clients right now, dear God, help me. And then like, yeah. Oh, I did a ton of work and they all came in in a flood. I have too many clients. Yeah. And then it's just this Absolutely. constant feast or famine. I feel like spiritually, like emotionally, we can be in feast or famine modes as well, where yeah. there's seasons of plenty, where we mm -hmm. are like emotionally well, like we're spiritually yeah. well, like all those things are, are kind of firing on all cylinders. And yeah. then we just, I, I don't know, like we just don't appreciate it. We don't take stock of it. We're not thankful and grateful mm -hmm. or even introspective as to how that that spiritual or emotional plenty came about and yeah. what we can do with it. And then we're not okay with it when we go into famine mode. Right. So I feel like there's even in the person who's been like freelancing for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years or whatever is experiencing feast or famine. It's just less like less like intense uh, differential between that feast or famine. You're going to have always on season and off season, yeah. but it's just less than when you first start out yeah. and you don't know why, why the hell it's happening like this yeah. versus later on. You're like, I get it. That comes. It's okay. Like, you know, so maybe in this idea of just like, just being like being content, being okay, being willing to um, receive yeah. whatever the Lord has for you in that season. Right. And and being okay with it to a certain extent, like handling yeah. life on life's terms a little bit. I feel like I'm rambling. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. No, you are. good. It's good. Yeah, okay. It's really good. Yeah. So you're yeah, gonna I, get, just, just get ready because I ramble from time to time. So oh, you can just like. No, you're you're flowing, dude. It's like Eminem on his first album, dude. Um, I heard his I heard his new album is really good, but I haven't heard it yet. I haven't listened to it yet. But um, it's weird because he's like in his 40s now, rapping. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, you know I the tension for me, it's like, it's just, it's always there. And I think a question that I'm constantly, and I think you kind of answer some of it is, is like, kind of like, what do you, what do you do with it? Right. Um, like, how do you, I, I try to offer it and then still kind of feel stuck, you know? Um, what, what, what do you, what do you do with that? Clarify for me. What do you do with, uh, the, with the tension of going between insecure, like the feast or famine, like how do you, how do you deal with that tension? Oof, yeah. I mean, I've dealt with it not so great in a lot of times. And then I've dealt with yeah. it maybe hopefully a little bit better in other times. Yeah. Let's hear both. Um, yeah, let's hear both. Okay. Uh, yeah. Last year I went through like six months of therapy because I was dealing with like feelings of like depression, anxiety, stress. Mm -hmm. I was transitioning or I was in a full-time vocational ministry position. I had, I had stepped away from everything that oh, I was wow. doing and I stepped into a full-time vocational ministry position and I just, I, I think the mistake that I made was, um, this is going to fulfill me. So like I'm 30, I'm 37 years old. I'm still making the mistake from time to time of not realizing that the only thing that actually fulfills me is Jesus instead of some Your sort job. of manifestation of that, right. Career job yeah. success, even like the trickier one, like feeling. So like I jumped into it, like, this is going to feel great. This is going to really satisfy me. This is going to be what my family and I need. Yeah. And it didn't matter how hard I charged or how much I tried to like balance things. Like it just didn't quite feel right. And yeah. it's, you know, uh, we prayed about it a lot before we stepped into it. We felt good about it. We felt right about it, but we didn't realize that, uh, 
yet again, like as, as in other parts of my life, it was for a season and I had run out that season. So I, I had been there, I had been in that position for about two and a half years. And it was like some really telltale clear signs that it was time for me to step aside, that the right person had been raised up to kind of replace me. Yeah. But I had kind of gone all in. I pushed all my chips in and said like, well, that's, that's what has to be satisfaction. And what that caused me to do is spend six months in counseling figuring mm. out why I was so unhappy, why I was so mm. irritable, why I was snapping at my kids yeah. all the time and being so frustrated and miserable. Like, you know, and um, I, I, I think what I realized was back to that high performer thing. I was just afraid that I was going to let people down. I was insecure sure. that it was where I was supposed to be. Like there yeah. was all sorts of clouded feelings like, but I'm supposed to versus mm. right. It's not right though. So, mm. so that caused me to like, I just spent way too long, like way too long knowing in my heart that it was wrong, knowing that I was like, I'm just like, this is a square in a like peg in a round hole. This like just isn't working anymore. Yeah. Um, and this not is, this is you being in, in ministry, in ministry and not being willing to be released the way that the mm. Lord wanted me to be released. Cause I'm going, no, like this, I, I thought this was going to be right. Yeah. I was just so embarrassed. Like you can ask sure. Mario, like. I've had times where I've been like in vocational ministry, out of vocational ministry. And all I wanted to do was just do one. Th I'm like, can I just be in one thing for like the next 30 years? So I don't feel personally like a failure. Yeah. Because like a, lot, a, a lot of that has to do with like identity, right? It's like, right. oh, this is who I am. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a pastor and a, and a, and a so-and-so, right? Or, or right. this and this. I, just to get a clarifying question. So, you, so you, you've, you've, you've been in like the creative space for, 20 years. I've been so, in the creative space, like on and off for like 14 or 15 years, okay. but I would be like, I'm working at a startup or I'm working at a design agency. And then never mind, like the Lord's called me to step into like full-time uh, student ministry for a few years. And then after I a couple see. of years, the, the Lord's back. telling me to step out. I have no why I'm stepping back into the creative industry. I see. So it feels like a lot of start stop. And I look at people who are like, <laughs> you know, when I was five, I knew I was going to be a doctor and I'm like, yeah. dang, dang, dang it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, why, why couldn't I know yeah. that? You know, and give us like, a little bit of a. Can you give us a little bit of a timeline from when you started? I want to hear the the kind of journey of bivocation, single vocation, bivocation. Yeah, yeah, single vocation, wrong vocation. Yeah, because it's been a lot of that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I um, got out of the Marine Corps. Um, I fell in love with Jesus in 2008. And then within a few months, uh, God really like heavily put on my heart to serve, to volunteer in student ministry. And mm -hmm. I just volunteered. That's one of those times kind of flashback to my, my little bio. Um, my story was, I was so passionate about student ministry that I was working full time, going to school at night, had a wife and a new baby. Oh, and wow. I was doing like 13 to 15 hours of ministry a week as well. <sighs> wow. And there was times there, like when my wife looked me in the eye and said, like, your ministry is your mistress. Like you're cheating on us, Oof, like with ministry. Wow. So, but again, like so passionate, so excited about it, volunteering my time to do student ministry. Mm -hmm. And so that was me like volunteering and then working in the background and kind of trying to cultivate a career for myself, a creative career. I was going to school online for web design and development and doing all this stuff at the same time. And this really like, what, what age is this? Uh, gosh, I was probably like 24 five years old, okay. uh, 24, 25 years old. So like 
I mean, sleeping like four hours a night, burning the candle at both ends kind of thing and not having a problem with it because I was loving every minute of it, even though, yeah. you know, all that stuff was happening. Um, I, I got a job at a design agency. I'm like, ah, oh, my career is growing. It's amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. And then I actually got an offer. I uh, was living in Hawaii at the time. I got an offer to leave Hawaii and go lead a design team at LinkedIn. I was like, uh, super excited taking that. And right at that moment, we felt the Lord heavily call us like into ministry. So I had to sacrifice that. And I, I was like, all right, fine, never mind. And I went into full-time ministry for three years. I did student ministry at my church. I see. The was whole time. I, yeah. In Hawaii. And the whole time I was, I still like, I have a creative side of me. I've talked to Mario about this in the past. Like, I just can't let that go fully. Cause I, I love that. So I was doing a little bit of work on the side. Me and Mario did like a project or two sometimes, you know, keeping that thing kind of like alive but doing ministry. And then I felt strongly the Lord called me out of it. And I was like heartbroken because that's all I ever wanted to do. Mm. And so I left that position not knowing what to do. And I got a call the very next day from, from Mario's brother going, Hey, I know you're kind of busy. But do you know anybody who wants to be a designer at a startup? And I was like, I do. Oh my gosh. I would really like that. Um, so I took that position. I was doing full-time like creative work. And then through that process, we moved to Texas um, and I was working remote for that company and there was a shift in that company and they had to let me go. They couldn't afford me anymore. And so I was going, I don't know what to do. And within a few days, I swear it like always happens like this for me. My church was like, Hey, we think you might be the right fit for a campus pastor position, um, here at, at this church. And I was like, okay, great. Let's pray about it. And so I took that. And then I spent two and a half years there doing that. And then it's like, I'm shifting back out like over this way. So it's been a lot of this in and out, in and out thing. And right now I am, I have a full-time career as like a creative and I am an elder and a volunteer teaching kind of pastor at my church. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm at least as of right now, I'm realizing, um, and I've had, I've had a couple conversations with Mario about this, like tearful ones on the phone at night. Like, what do I do, dude? Cause <laughs> how do I not feel like a failure? How do I feel like I'm serving the Lord? Um, and, but being satisfied, being content, being excited, being passionate about these different things, um, that the Lord has given me these joys and these passions. I think I've found it. I think I've carved out the path for myself, which is create a career and carve out a pathway and just like, just try to crush it as much as I possibly can in the marketplace and be a light that shines in the marketplace somehow, whether it's on YouTube or with clients or whatever. And then at the same time, I'm here to use any gifts that God's given me, whether it's teach or to disciple people, to sit down and coffee with people. I'm doing premarital counselings on my spare time. And what's really cool is I've found in this day and age with my skill set is I can have a career where I work at home, I work remote, I can kind of make my own hours and I can carve out time for the other thing. But it was so hard for me to do the other thing and have any way to satisfy this craving to execute on the gifts of creativity mm -hmm. that God gave me over here. It was just so hard to do it the other way, whereas I can do it this way, like much mm -hmm. better and feel a lot more satisfied. Mm -hmm. um, and a book that really actually helped me, I'm actually just rereading it right now. Um, a book that really helped me is this book called the legend of the monk and the merchant. I don't know if you've ever mm. like heard of this book is a phenomenal book. It's actually, um, it's like required reading for anybody that works mm. at Dave Ramsey's company. Um, and what it is, is it's basically 12 kind of principles for being a Christian in the marketplace, mm. but it's hidden inside this really 
amazing and um, enticing, like allegory, like this story of a merchant, um, you know, like, and who was a friend with a monk and what it looks like not to just be a monk. That's not a bad thing, but how he's called to be a monk in the marketplace as the merchant. And so it's really, it's just really like a fun book to read. You can like crank through it in like a night or two. And there's these really cool foundational principles that say, man, like we put our hands to the work that God's called us to, and God will bless the work of our hands as we continue in it in faithfulness, seeking to like honor him. So like that's, I'm in this space right now where I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything I touch, like whether it's a YouTube video, like an edit that I make, a podcast that I'm on, everything that I touch is a good work unto the Mm -hmm. Lord. Like it doesn't have to be me like teaching or preaching from stage with a Madonna microphone on, like everything I do is possibly like a good work. Okay. That Mm -hmm shifts my perspective on how I need to, why I would want to be a a hot, like a high performer. It totally shifts my perspective because it's not high performance for insecurity or even for passion or for money. It's like high performance, like to honor the King. Mm. Like that's a different vibe, like altogether for me. I want to like, you've kind of like talked about a bit of it, but the idea of, you know, like, tent making and ministry and like we've had we've had like you said we've had many conversations about like i just i feel like i'm supposed to be doing all these things right right um what was what was the big epiphany that um your tent making is sacred really Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not it's not this balance of secular and sacred because there is no secular Right. Yeah. Um, I had, I think I had two, I I can like, kind of like quickly identify two moments where when I stepped out of vocational ministry, the first time, um, I kept using this phrase, uh, a lot, which was, yeah, I used to do full-time ministry and now I do creative work and my wife would get so frustrated and she would constantly grab me. And she's 4'11", you know, so like, she's like, she's real, like spicy, super feisty, feisty, you know, and it's like, she would get like fiery and be like, stop saying full-time ministry. Life is full-time ministry, Jesse. And I would just be like, did I hurt you? Did I offend you today? (laughs) (laughs) Brutally honest and amazing. Right. Which is like, say vocational, fine. Like that's what I wake up and do nine to five but don't say full-time because life is full-time. Like it's a full-time job to be a parent. It's a full-time job to be a husband. It's a full-time job to, to live this life, no matter what life it is that you're called to. So like the identification, right? The perception change of what is full-time ministry, full-time ministries like that was one for me. And the second one was actually a YouTube moment that like made me like ugly cry, which I got a, um, an email from a dad who was uh, a missionary overseas and um, he had a son and um, that son was kind of interested in creativity and design stuff. Um, But that kid apparently just like, didn't want to commit to it. Like he just was like, I don't know. He was in like a rebellious season. This, this email said, Um, and he found my channel online and he watched a video of me, like reading the Bible in the morning and like 
you know, doing a devotional. And then it was like a vlog of my week. Now I'm designing. <clears throat> now I'm doing this other stuff. Yep. And um, he said it was the first time that he realized that you could be a Christian in the marketplace and that it was okay to not just be I like, you know, not his dad wasn't upset. He was like, he just kind of saw ministry as what mom and dad do as like missionaries. Like it had to be something like this. And he's like, and now he realized he could fall in love with Jesus, be in love with Jesus and be called to this other thing. It was okay. And he's like, every night I walk by and he's watching one of your videos and he's sketching, he's designing, he's creating stuff. He's so on fire for Jesus right now. And all of this happened in like a, like a YouTube video that led to an email. And I was like, holy cow, like people are watching. Yeah. Right. And I know like I have a YouTube channel, so I'm like, I hope people are watching, but like, <laughs> but like, but people are watching the nuances and the small things too. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I was very aware, like, oh, even when I just share like um, a little bit of kindness, like a little like pointing to Jesus in some way, like even my, like my old senior pastor used to say, like, you know, you might be the only Bible that somebody reads today. Like, mm -hmm. okay. Like I, that came alive to me when all of a sudden I was like, this actually encouraged somebody, um, you know, to pursue whatever it is, creativity with Jesus, not separate from Jesus. Like that was a huge moment for me too. Good. <clears throat> Making me weep up and, and kind of, get all teary-eyed um okay so let's let's talk about this journey from 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 zero to 200 and however many thousand people are watching your youtube channel all right okay um and there i, I want to hear the journey of that and i want to hear you 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 kind of touched on it earlier where there were there there were times where, you know, this, this episode is talking about being a high performer without losing your family. There were times that, that along that journey, that, that there was a, there was a, a tension in your family, in your own admission, you go all in, right. You go hundred yeah. percent all in on what you're doing, whether it's your family ministry, side hustle, side, side, side hustle, jujitsu, whatever. <laughs> Right. Cause you can never have just one side hustle. I can't, um, it's, it's a bad addiction. It's, 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 it's a creative, it's a creative problem um, that I see. Um, so talk to us about like growing a YouTube channel and, and the highs and lows of that. Um, and kind of just, you know, the journey your family has taken along the way and, and you as a father, as, as a leader, as a, as a husband, um, you know, take us on that journey a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would say I would actually start before we do that quick note, funny story. Um, I had like YouTube going on and like work going on and like all this stuff going on. I, I one time texted Mario. I was like, Hey, I'm going to start like this board game, Instagram, like web presence thing. I was like, I'm thinking about like a logo da, da, da. and all I got a text back from Mario that said, Maybe you should think about your other stuff instead. Oh, that is the most Mario response. <laughs> I was all like, time. Oh, all right, geez, so gonna crush the vibe, dude. I was real excited for my I'm side because this is side Mario, project. How many of those have you sent me, dude? <laughs> well, daily, it was, I, it was, I, and you know I what? Tell, he was I tell right. Eric this almost daily. Yeah, it's like it was like, uh, all right, I probably should have sacrificed that one. Like, but it's uh, fine. Um, so yeah, I would actually say I 
with, with things like I do kind of go all in, I tend to um, find a shiny object and then just like go towards it, like super tunnel vision. Um, yeah. And I've, I've also realized I'm the type of person that has bad staying power. Um, I'm great at starting. I'm bad at consistency and staying mm -hmm. the course. YouTube yeah. was very, very different for me because um, I actually started the YouTube channel partially as an experiment in consistency. So I knew that I was a really, really bad at consistency. I knew I was really bad at staying the course. And I had done the only research that I'd really done on YouTube or like on creating a YouTube channel was what does it take? And then I just, I heard everybody saying, you gotta keep showing up, gotta keep making content. No one's gonna watch it for a while. Don't do anything. Like don't, don't worry about what happens for like the first year or two, just keep creating content. And I was like, that sounds kind of like a consistency thing. Like, okay, that's challenge accepted. And I, so I went into it with a challenge mindset. Like I'm going to have to stay the course with this and where I think I made, you know, I make a lot of bad mistakes, a lot of bad decisions, but where I think I made like a good decision was I came to my wife um, and I said, Hey, I want to do this. Um, and I, I, I think it would be good for us. It would be good for me. And I don't know if what would come from it. I don't know if it'll be successful or be something, but I really, really want to commit to this. And she said, okay, I will carve out the time and work with you so that you have those times and all and hold you accountable to those things as well. And that meant we had small kids at the time. I think the kids were like four and five. Um, so that meant, you know, she was going to put them to bed nights or she was going to take them in the morning so I could get recording done. And we lived in a, you know, in Hawaii in like a 500 square foot apartment with like no bedrooms basically. So it was like, I'm going to go to the office early at like 5am and then shoot for two or three hours and then come home at night and help. And then she's going to put the kids to bed and I'm going to stay up late and edit. And she's going to be okay with going to bed alone at least one or two nights a week. Right. So it was a commitment on her part as well. So, you know, as two people that are one flesh, um, I, I had to include her in that. I had to ask for her participation in it. Yeah. And she still to this day, participates in it like and there's sacrifices that she makes and that the kids make and that we make but they're talked about they're discussed and they are um you know we don't get frustrated about it because there's an expectation that's been established for it mm. um so that's kind of a little bit of the outset of the story but i started and i was <laughs> here's something that i i also like had been known to do uh, in the past which is i want to run a marathon hey wife uh, hey, Amy, I'm going to buy these really expensive shoes and these really expensive stuff and all of this gear. And I'm going to run this marathon. She's like, why don't you start running first? And then like, if you have run for a certain amount of time, we'll get you a new pair of shoes. I'm like, no. And I go all in <laughs> or like, Hey, I'm going to learn how to play this instrument. So I'm going to buy the instrument. She goes, don't you have a friend that would let you borrow one for a while? I'm like, yeah, but it's going to be great. I'm going to be an expert at this instrument. So I'll just go all in. And so I think another thing that <laughs> she did well talking me off the edge was, hey, go all in uh, with horsepower, like go all in with your resources and your effort before you go all in and buy a $3,000 camera or something. Like, <laughs> are, you, are you even willing to, do you even like this? Do you like getting on camera and, and looking at the camera and, and talking about it? Because the truth about YouTube is, 
you could have the best camera and the best microphone, the best everything. And if you're constantly looking at yourself, you know, in the wow. camera and you don't have your own voice and you have to figure all that stuff out. So it's like, it's better to figure that stuff out with cheap stuff and grow into it and see what happens than it is to make this big investment because <laughs> discouragement, like so many other things in life in, in YouTube land, like discouragement comes like <laughs> I have, I haven't deleted a single video off my channel. If you go back and watch some of the very first ones, there's still like 12 views on them. It's amazing. amazing. Like, and I think those 12 views are like my mom and like, wow. And like me going back and cringing and watching them a couple more times, oh, wow. like they're awful, you know? And, <clears throat> and so there's so much discouragement. There's no traction. Yeah. If you look at my YouTube analytics, the lifetime of it, it's like flatline dead person for like years. And then all of a sudden you just start seeing a little <laughs> bit of life and activity. And now it's like, do, 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 it started, it kind of clicks up over the past two or three years, but it was just flatline dead wow. for so long. And so you have to be ready for that discouragement. You have to know that it's going to come going into it. Um, I mean, there's more we could talk about. Is that like initially kind of answer that question a little bit? Is that going where you want it to go? Yeah. Um, this is therapy for me right I'm, now. This is I'm so laughing. Weird, dude. I'm laughing because I know what I know what Eric's laughing at. And it's the conversations <laughs> that we've had over the last year or so. Um, I want the marathon thing was good, man. That like, yeah. I was like, "Oh, your wife is like, is your wife my wife? Is your wife named Diana too, or like, yeah. what's happening? The same yeah. wife?" Um, you know, and to kind of add to that, because I know the question was about like failures in you know trying to be high performer and not losing your family. There are these times where, especially, and I feel like it's not in discouragement, it's not in failure, it's in success. Like when you start seeing like some, some, some success, some momentum, some like response from people. That's for me when I feel like the danger comes of like being a high performer and then losing my family. Cause like shiny object syndrome comes up like times 10 times 100, right? Like you put out a bunch of videos and nobody watches them and you're discouraged. Like you don't have to worry about being a high performer. All you want to do is quit. Like, <laughs> but it's when all of a sudden, like I put out a video the other day, I have no idea why. Very similar to other videos that I've put out. Usually within the first like week or something, I get a couple thousand views, you know, and they start to kind of plateau. Within the first week of putting out this video, it had like 250,000 views. And I was like, Ooh. I'm going viral, fools. Like it's, ha <laughs> it's finally <laughs> happening. I was so excited. It's finally you know? happening. And, and like, uh. you know what that made me do? It made me spend hours <laughs> that I didn't have scheduled that I had already promised to my wife and my mm. kids trying to reverse engineer the analytics on how I could do it again. Cause now I'm mm. addicted to this feeling. And so mm. it's for me, it's runaway success or it's like momentum that actually yeah. threatens it. So how do I like, how do, how do we like control ourselves and keep balance? Not yeah. when things are going bad, but when they're going really good. Cause that's when I want to, yeah. that's when I want to dump 10x the hours into it yeah. to yeah. get more of that dopamine rush. That's the thing yeah. that I'm, I'm like, I'm really interested in right now is like, how do I set healthy boundaries to lit, to gate myself, to limit myself, even when I want to go more. So I'm not working yeah. 80 hour weeks, you know? Yeah. I, I have a kind of a, a story I wanted to share with you that really resonates with what you just shared uh, about like just kind of the idea of going viral or that kind of that dopamine opiate hit that you felt. Um, I remember this was in 2017 and we had just moved from our first location. So I, I'm, I'm a, I own a gym yeah. and 
we had just moved from our, our first location to our second double square footage, <clears throat> like crazy nice build out, poured six figure sums into building it out. And it was just, it was beautiful, right? And we had a client that also within the same timeline happened to lose a hundred pounds uh, over the course of a year. So huge, huge, uh, going back on it, I think he lost it way too fast, but just like mentally, he wasn't there. Like his mentally, he didn't catch up with what happened, the physical transformation, right? So long story short, we did this video on him and it was really powerful. He lost hundred pounds, got off diabetes medication, was like medication free and everything. Wow. We did this video and it was really powerful for our community. And then ironically, or like the timing of it was, uh, we're a CrossFit gym. So CrossFit had put out like a video series of like, hey, uh, challenging their 20,000 affiliates at the time of who has a story about someone that you uh, helped beat diabetes? Because our CEO at the time was wanted to show that CrossFit can help people with um, chronic illness. And first, f- first uh, I would say like uh, first world problems, like diabetes is a major first world problem, right? Okay. Di- uh, type two diabetes, right? It's like, it's a very earned disease. Like mm-hmm. you don't take care of yourself. And so we just thought, you know what? We'll submit the video. And we won. We won video of the year. Uh, it was, it was like, like, it's like, it's like our, it was on YouTube, um, crossed it, put it on their main site. Uh, we posted like a thing on it. Like everybody was commenting on it. And then, and I remember when they had told me that we had won it, like I was in disbelief. Like I, yeah. I was at a restaurant with my, we were at a dumpling house with my wife and it was, we happened to, she happened to have that day off. She's a teacher. And then we were there and we were in this moment and I was like, I, I just got an email and I shouldn't have been checking my email at that moment. Right. I should have been with my wife. I checked my email cause it popped up and I was like from CrossFit. It's true. They, like CrossFit never emails by the way. So when they email you, other than when they're asking for money, you're like, Oh, I'm going to check it. So you check it and it's like, you won. your story is the video of the year. Like it's like, it's almost like the success story of the year. Right. And the high I felt in that moment was like stupendous. It was just so huge. And, and I told her and she was like, wow, that's huge. And then that high began to consume me in yeah. moments, like in that moment. And then for the rest of the day, and then for like the next week and whatever I kind of like what you said, whatever I planned for that next week, I was just, I wasn't focused whether it was for work or for family time, because I was like addicted to that high and I, I was like, immediately, I was like, you know, being a, like a high performer, you're, how do I replicate this? How do I do more of this? And, and I remember getting caught and I remember my wife saying like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you're like, it's cool. This is really great. But like, you're really consumed by this now. Yeah. And it's crazy because like, it's been four years now and I'll, it's like a cool, it's, I don't even remember until you brought it up. Like, I hadn't thought about it for like three years. Because that's that's how quickly that high wears off. It's like the second it was gone is the second you're craving it again. But then as soon as you forget, like I literally have no recollection of this until you mentioned your thing right now. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, but I haven't thought about it for years. How do you like, how do you do? So how did you wrestle through that season of because you want like you want it because it's good. And you 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 obviously want a lot of your content to be that viral. But how do you wrestle with that? And how do you live with, you know, that process? Yeah, like, um, and for me, like YouTube, YouTube for me is like even like even more deadly, I feel like because it comes with built in metrics and analytics and measuring Mm -hmm. tools, right? So I can look at it 
and like try to figure out like, Ooh, let's do that. Mm. Like, let's do that. And it's a very easy for me to like, just get tunnel visioned into it mm-hmm. and chase the high, you know, and like you were saying, like the danger of, of having these big highs is always the come down. It's mm-hmm. always the, Oh, I need that again. I want that again. Yeah. Um, and our, I feel like our culture, our society has, you know, social media, like Instagram, all yeah. that stuff has built these tools that get you like these, these immediate instant gratification, dopamine rushes. And that's yeah. why we all wake up and go sit on the toilet and check Instagram. Cause we're like, I want to feel happy. I want yeah. to feel, I can feel however I want, whenever I want. And we're mm-hmm. chasing these like highs. Mm-hmm. And so like for me, yeah, it's like what happens when you come down, what ha- like a lot of times, just like an addict, you know, side note, we're all users on these platforms, which is scary, but like, as an, we're addicts, it's like chasing those highs. Yeah. Like, I think we have to, like, for me, I'm trying to constantly remind myself that no high in the past has continued to sustain me. Mm. You know, um, there have been lots of highs. There's lots of those little moments. And yeah. like, here's an example of one, like, uh, it was a couple years ago, maybe like two years ago. Um, somebody reached out on Twitter and they were like, Hey, you know, I really love your stuff online. I work for Adobe. I'd love to pass your information on. And I was like, cool, great. Like, yeah, right. Like that's ever going to happen. And <laughs> all of a sudden, like a day later, I get an email and it's the people from Adobe. And they're like, we are starting to make live content. We'd like you to be one of our Adobe educators. We're going to fly you out to San Francisco and pay you to design on camera. And I was like, oh, oh God, I've hit the big time. This is it, (laughs) right? Like the world will love me now. Like, you know, like I'm going to be in the, like, this is exactly what I need. And it's like, I've been, I've been doing it. Like I just, I just led like an Adobe live, like two week design thing, like last month. And that high is innocuous to me now it's gone Mm. right i can do those things it's not enough anymore Mm. right it was the when i did the first one oh my god when i did the second one the third one i'm like yeah i'm gonna i I got this now it's a habit by like the fifth or sixth or seventh one i'm like yeah we're just paying the bills here like doing the thing again yeah and it's no longer become that so like i had to i like had to stop and go oh my gosh like i am so not like impressed or there's no high to get off of this. I'm looking for the bigger, better now. And that's really sad because that next bigger, better thing is like after a certain amount of time, that's probably not going to like excite or impress me either. So like, I have to stop doing this. I have to stop putting so much weight on these soon to be hopeful expectations. Like that's finally going to satisfy me because it's not, it's just going to let me down again. Yeah. come down off those things again. So I'm trying to use those things, um, you know, and, and like redirect myself. I'm reading a book, a really small book that was written by a, um, like a 16th century French monk right now called practicing the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, literally like you could, you could read it like on the toilet in one session, it's like 25 pages. Um, mm-hmm. I guess if you like spend long times, like in, in the sessions, <laughs> But, but the whole idea is like the struggle of this monk figuring out how to find joy in the most mundane things, not waiting for those big moments, those, whether it was like a liturgy or a religious expression or a vacation or whatever it is. It's like, I'm looking forward to that. It's like, how do we find joy and contentment 
And how do we like feel this satisfaction in yeah. the, the smallest of things that we do each and every day? Yeah. Um, it's, and I mean, not to spoil it for you, but like the entire book is just like, it's a practice. It's something you commit yourself to. It's not something yeah. that you can read and realize. It's something that you have to make part of your like daily routine. And I know like, especially as like an evangelical Christian, like we're all like, we non-denominational come to like church in my, in my slippers and shorts and stuff. But like, there's something really beautiful about routines and liturgies and habits and instituting them in your life. Um, that could be really powerful because we're kind of human beings. We're kind of creatures of habit, you know? So I think a lot of times we mock kind of like older routines or we kind of like you know, lift up our nose or like snuff up our nose at like things like that, but they can be really mm -hmm. beneficial. So um, for me, that's one of my current like things that I'm like trying to take in yeah. and implement, which is like, how do I, I'm not satisfied right now, but I should be. That's a yeah. problem. That's like a real problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've felt that a lot too, just in different seasons of career. Right. Um, is there, was there ever like an inflection point where you were like, man, I'm going to lose my family if like just like a season of just dark or bad and if so like can you walk us kind of through that yeah i think um even though i came into like youtube in this season of my life with a plan and like committed to it like with my wife and we we're going to do this together um there have still been times um and even now i would say like there are times when i found a groove that like works for me, right? Which is like doing full-time creative work mm -hmm. and figuring out how to like serve and volunteer at my church, like how and where I can. Um, I have to remember that even if like, I teach at my church maybe once a month, yeah. um, it takes me seven to eight hours to like study for a sermon. And so I, I agreed to being an elder and I don't, I, I think, I'm happy that we're doing it. And my wife and I, we're happy that that's what we are. Like we're an elder family at our church, but um, we didn't, I don't think we, we correctly counted the cost, right? We didn't, we didn't fully take into account what that meant. Cause I have an elder meeting every Sunday night or every other Sunday night. And it goes from like seven o'clock until midnight. So there's like lots of hours, like committed mm -hmm. to like leading and loving our church. Mm -hmm. And so that's one that like, we didn't fully understand. So we should probably should have asked more questions. We probably should have like investigated more and said, what's the commitment here? You know, because um, it's really easy uh, for me, for, I, th I think for most people to use the word and a lot, like I could do this and that, and that, mm -hmm. but learning how to say, or is very, very difficult for us. Like learning how to do subtraction and like, peel things away and do less and, and be really effective is much harder. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've, my wife and I have had what I like to call robust dialogue a lot in the last like six months, like some arguments because it's like planning now has become so crucial for our family. Mm -hmm. And I am a type seven Enneagram off the cusp, like roll the punches kind of guy. And I've had to learn to plan and structure to a certain extent to make my business like function and life function. Mm -hmm. But my wife is not that she needs even more structure. And because the load that we now carry is heavier, like there's more expectations of us and more things to schedule. 
the rigidity of that scheduling process needs to be like more on point. And just the other day, like she was like very unhappy, like very unsatisfied. And um, it hurts my heart when I hear my wife say things like there are times when I feel like a single parent because <laughs> I'm serving on Sunday. So she sits in church alone and she brings the kids and those things, those things hurt me. So those are like diagnostic like statements that make me go, okay, something's wrong. I need to recalibrate something here. And, and now I need to dig. So like for me, I'm a, um, I'm a words of affirmation person. So that's like why, like Mario sending me a text message or my wife, like verbally smacking me down is so helpful. Right. So like, um, if you just say something to me, like I take it like pretty deep, like to the heart. And so when she says words, like, ministry is your mistress, or sometimes I feel like a single parent, or, yeah. you know, I'm glad that you're out there working and I appreciate you, but I feel alone. I'm like, Ugh, like I feel the weight of it. So yeah. I have to, it's, it's, it's something that words resonate with me. So I'm very aware of words, you know, to like, try to like recalibrate and yeah. fix things are wrong. And I know I'm rambling, but here's like an example of it. Um, my kids were homeschooled for like the first I don't know, like six or seven years of their life. My wife was homeschooling and we moved here and my wife was still homeschooling. And um, I was in uh, vocational ministry, still homeschooling. And I stepped out of that. And, you know, like there's obviously like pastors don't get paid a whole lot, a whole bunch. So now <laughs> I'm full-time doing creative work. I'm making a little bit more. And right about that time, um, my daughter started saying things like, I'm really lonely. I wish I had some friends. Like, I don't like homeschool. But she had been saying it for like a year. Now, what's crazy is like, that was about that same year that I felt like the Lord was ushering me out of vocational ministry. So because I wasn't listening to that call, I didn't have the finances or the ear or the heart to hear her little broken heart going, daddy, I don't like my life right now. I'm very unhappy. And so it was like listening to that was like another confirmation, like, oh my gosh, I'm about six to eight months too late on being able to respond to you. So for me, like I, I have to listen a lot. I have to listen more. I have to do a better job of it because when I'm not listening is when I'm starting to do damage to my family. Mm. Yeah. Or, um, like as you, as you navigate, right? family, <clears throat> career, um, feelings, right? Our, our, our personalities and, and the, the well-being of our families. As you navigate that, <clears throat> um, what were some of the, the, the bigger, how, how do I say this? What were some of the, the, the major things that, that have helped with, with, you know, you specifically being an entrepreneur, um, being a husband, being an elder, being in ministry, like you're being all these things, mm -hmm. right? Being a father or some of the, the, the major things that, that have helped you recalibrate, I, I guess is a, is a, is a good word. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I'm just like, like I've said a couple of times, I have like shiny ob object syndrome and I want to sprint towards those things. 
Um, so learning and kind of like recalibrating and reassessing and, and seeing that like life is not a sprint. And I'm, I have to like look at it over the long haul. And actually weird to say, like, I feel like YouTube did teach me that. Right. Because like when I look at that long tail analytic chart of like flat line and then progress, progress, like I see like in in um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, he uses a term called um, the plateau of latent potential. Right. Which is like you go to the gym and you work out hard for three or four months and you don't see any change. So you give up. But if you would have stayed for another month or two and just sucked it up, you'd start seeing some changes. Yeah. Right. So like realizing that there is such a thing as the plateau of latent potential and that I cannot assess my future based off of my current, like my present, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to just stay the course mm -hmm. and I'm staying the course that I, that I know that the Lord's called me to. Um, there, there's twists and turns there, but like, I cannot get weary along the way. And so that makes me recalculate speed because if it's a long distance run, right. And I'm, I'm shooting out there. Like it's a 50 meter sprint. Like I'm making a fool out of myself. Like the Bible literally says, like anybody who's going to build has to first count the cost, lest you be seen as a fool. Right. So like counting the cost is like a long tail, like, yeah. like assessment. And so, um, learning how to slow down and pace myself for the race, mm. I think is one thing that's like really, really helped me. And we hear that term all the time, like work-life balance. I think before in previous times of my life, I thought work-life balance was continue working hard, maybe even work a little bit more and find a time to fit like a yoga class on top of it. Like now <laughs> look at me, I'm balancing my life. And it's like, nope, you just yeah. added to your life instead of did some really hard subtraction, right? Like, that's why mm. like, Years ago, my wife and I went through like the Dave Ramsey course and we learned how to budget and we got, we became debt-free. We got out of like $35,000 worth of debt, but we had to learn how Thank to more. subtract, right? Yeah. Like, yes, make more money, but also subtract, like do both and at the same time. And it, it made getting out of debt like a lot easier. Yeah. So it's like setting a budget. Like I, I'm 37 years old. Like I only got so much in the tank. Hmm. Like I, I, even though I like, I get jealous sometimes because I see these like young guys like come on YouTube and like they're blown up quicker and they're like 25 and they got like, they don't have a wife. They don't have kids. They don't have overhead. They don't have a mortgage and they're just like traveling the world. And I'm like, ah, that's not fair. Like I should try to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not 25, yeah. 37. Like I have to, I have to drive the car the way that the car is like meant to be driven at this age and at this stage mm -hmm. of the game. So um, that's the only thing that's going to make me still be driving the car you know, proverbially speaking, like at 60 or 70, yeah. like still be happy and joyful. So like pacing myself, mm. slowing it down. And I, I hate to use that word, but like, like disciplining myself and dating myself, like that's a, that's a hard no. I can't go past that gate. Mm. Um, that's been really, really helpful for me. Man, that's, this is so like cathartic for me. <laughs> it's like, like staying the course, uh, pacing can't add without subtract like it's everything that i need to i need to hear right now like my wife literally says like all you do is add more stuff but did you, you do know that you have the same amount of time right and i'm like oh no i got it like i'm so oh, I, I got it like yeah i don't think you, no, you don't understand like 
that's what makes me different. <laughs> so, like, I literally believe that. Oh, that's because different. Like, yeah. I'm different. I can just do all of it. She's like, yeah. You You're like, you don't know me. I can yeah. do that too. And she goes, no, I do know you. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to protect you, dude. The um, only one that knows you, Eric, honestly, <laughs> Eric, Eric came to Hawaii and he left more exhausted than he came by himself. He came without the kids. He came with, with, with uh, one of his, one of his like media guys. Yeah. And his whole point was like to write, to kind of like wind down and he left more wound up than he got here. Yeah. As a, how uh, that, that's a, that's a YouTube video right there. Yeah. <laughs> how I, how, how I ruined my trip to Hawaii. But I, um, I, I just love the, the idea of like, and, and I, I reworded it this way, but it's like, in order to succeed, we need to do more and less at the same time. Yeah. hundred oh, yeah. percent. It's just hard figuring out what's the thing you should be doing more of and what's the thing you should yeah. be doing less of. That's the real, like, that's the only like real niche, like recipe swap, right? It's like everybody's, yeah. everybody's different in that. Like maybe you need to do a little bit less, you know, like um, yeah. a little bit less like side hustles and side projects and focus more on your main thing. Yeah. Like maybe you need to like subtract the amount of things you're doing for work and figure out a way to like pay yourself first emotionally and yeah. spiritually, like with your family, like nobody else yeah. is going to do it for you. Everybody else is going to want something from you. And yeah. so maybe you need to figure out how to do that. I don't know. Like that's, how, that's how did the you thing figure that, that out, Jesse. How did you, oh. how did you, I know this is, we only have a few more minutes left, but oh, like, yeah, it's a totally like a modern episode. Too, yeah, my life is like the bumper rails of a bowling alley, dude. It's just <laughs> careening off the side and hoping like to figure out from my last like mistake. Um, you know, like I don't get how, and maybe some of it's, and maybe some of it's persona, online persona, and maybe I fall for that stuff. But like, I don't know how you could be like um, 25 years old or 28 years old and know all these things exactly. Like for me, I'm just, maybe I'm a slow learner or a late bloomer, I don't know. But it's been a lot of like learning from my mistakes. I, I wish I learned from other people's mistakes. I wish I did. I'm just too, I'm too dumb for that. So I learn really good from my mistakes. And so I, I, have to, I have to make a lot of mistakes. I think in that though, like the one thing I can say is the last year or so, I've, I'm trying to learn how to have grace uh, for myself in that learning process. And I, through a lot of counseling, a lot of prayer and a lot of time, I've realized that my perception, um, is different than everybody else's. Mm. I think everything is going to be great for everybody else, but I think things are going to go horribly for me. Mm. Uh, like case in point, when I felt like I was going to step out of vocational ministry, I was like, I'm sure I said to my wife, I'm sure they're going to ask us to leave the church because that oh. might be really confusing for people. Like I was the pastor, but now I'm not, but I'm still here. Like, I don't know. They're going to be mad at me that I'm leaving at this time. It's like a crucial, they're going to be so mad at me. And they were nothing but supportive. They were like, you're not leaving though. Are you, are you like staying, mm. you're, you're staying at the, I was like, yeah, they're like, okay, great. Just don't leave. Like they And they even asked me, they're like, is this going to be healthier for you? I said, yes. They're like, that's what we want. We want, healthiness for you. So we're here to support you in this transition. And I was like, mind blown, because I think everything's going to go bad for me. So, um, you know, it's really about like, wow. having great, I, I, that was a pretty pivotal moment at learning, like, yo, dude, like, have a little bit of grace for yourself. Like, Jesus has grace upon grace for you, but you have none for yourself. It's pretty mm. brutal. Um, it's me not viewing my way, you viewing myself the way that Jesus views me, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. This 
Mark, can I ask one more question before we wrap into the core? Or you got a question too? No, go ahead. Um, man, dude, I just want to like take you to lunch for like a week and just pick <laughs> your brain, dude. I yeah, have, long lunch ride. I have a so I have so many questions, man. Um, oh man, uh, this is the one that I want because it's it's in line with what you kind of mentioned earlier. You brought up the idea of latent, uh, the plateau of latent potential through James Clear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually use that to coach a lot, and you know, because everybody wants results. And how do they want results? They want it like this, right? It's like, I want to start right here and I should be right here by Wednesday and today's Sunday. I had the idea on Sunday. I'm going to start on Monday. And by Wednesday, I should see compounding results as if I just bought Shiba Inu. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's about to explode, right? Um, That's crypto talk. But, But like, right? And it's like, that's how we want it. But it, it, it really looks a lot more like a, a startup that gets into maybe SP or something like that, right? So one, one of the things that's tough, and, and this could tie into a YouTube question or like or like just when you start anything, and, and maybe YouTube would be the one, be a really good reference for this, because I'm trying to get into it right now, right? Like I'm trying to, um, it's weird. I literally had talked to a friend, um, uh, one of my brothers, it's like my brother's ex-girlfriend from middle school. Um, she's a YouTuber now. She's like a teacher YouTuber. Uh, so she just talks about teaching. And I, I like, I didn't even know because like, I don't really follow, I don't really watch YouTube until about three months ago when um, I got YouTube premium because I don't want ads for my kids. And that's how I started watching YouTube because I like, I literally don't, I don't want them to like see a bajillion ads every 120 seconds. Right. Sure. Um, so I got it and I was like, oh, and I was like, you know what? I got to like make, I gotta optimize this and like leverage this. So I should watch something too. So I just like started picking around looking at stuff. And then anyway, like I I, I got the idea. There's a lot of lot of way to share value through this platform in a very like genuine way. So I'm talking to her, and then we were talking this morning, and I was like, I was like, holy crap! Like you have like half a million followers on YouTube. I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy. Like is that is that not crazy to you? She's like, it's weird to me. She's a, she's a believer too. She's like, yeah, it's 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 still weird to me today, basically, and just. It's like, and I started asking like, well, like, like, why did you start doing it? And all these questions about like, why start doing it? Because I'm questioning why I want to do it. Right. Yeah. And it reminds me of this whole idea of, cause I've had friends that recommended I do this, like, you'd be great for this. And then we just do like 50 videos and don't even think anybody's going to watch it. Just do it for yourself. Yeah. And something that you, that you brought up that I was reminded of with latent potential was there's that valley of disappointment that you go through. The thing is, is like we're we we're recognizing that you're in the valley of disappointment, but how do you recognize that slope? Or do, can you is that a slope something that you can even see? Or how do you how do you get beyond that for those that are stuck in it? Yeah, um, like to I, the guy that's been grinding it out, you know, the girl that's yeah. been grinding it out. Yeah, I think you have to like you you have to kind of like steal your nerves, like prepare your heart for disappointment and know that we learn through disappointment, right? Like you will learn, you will grow. Like there's something to gain from it. Like it's a, it's a very common, like jujitsu, like saying, right? Like you either win or you learn, like you don't lose Mm -hmm. you win or you learn. Right. So what can you learn from it today? And if you, if you prepare yourself for it, if the expectation is I'm going to get tapped out for a long time, right? I'm going to get no views. I'm going to, then it's, um, it's really just an unexpected blessing 
if you like in jujitsu, like when I first started, like it was just an unexpected blessing to <laughs> not get strangled to death that day. Like, mm. right. And then it starts like, oh, I could actually practice like a little bit of like some technique. Well, that's cool. Mm. Like, you know, so like, but go into it knowing I'm about to get the crap kicked out of me for a mm. long time and I'm okay with it because what's really cool is, you know, I love, I love the, the analogy of jujitsu for it because you can see all the belts like who are training mm. with you and you know that there's no way that that guy that's the assassin brown belt. Cause I'm going to be honest, brown belts, the scariest black belts are terrifying, <laughs> but some, there's something about a brown belt in jujitsu. It's like, like they have something they're to prove. Just, they're got something they're to like a black belt, but they're not quite there yet. So they have a yeah. chip on their shoulder and you're like, please stay away from me. <laughs> yeah. So like it's, but you know that that person didn't get there without going through what you've gone through. Yeah. So like, I love the belt system because I look at it and I go, there's hope. I'm getting choked out by you, but there's hope, right? Yeah. Like if I stay the course, but there's yeah. no hope for me if I just ditch. There's yeah. no hope for me if I give up. So the evidence is in front of me that it's yeah. possible. Will I choose to trust evidence like that's mm. provided to me or will I choose to trust my, my lack of faith, my yeah. lack of like um, my inability to stay the course, right? Yeah. So like, I think just setting expectations, knowing I see the evidence, I see the hope, I'll stay the course, yeah. fine. Like, yeah. and and knowing you're going to learn from it. To me, yeah. that's super helpful. Um, mm. We really like didn't expect anything. Um, you know, we were like, we're going to go into this YouTube thing and I'm not yeah. expecting anything. And then what was really cool was, um, I think another little thing is like uh, celebrating any small win along the way, sure. I, I think is like fantastic. Like yeah. when I, I went from like zero to a thousand subscribers on YouTube and my wife and some of my friends, we all went out to dinner and celebrated for a thousand subscribers. <laughs> like I'm not trying to flex right now, yeah. but I get a thousand subscribers a week now, yeah. like, like consistently, if, yeah. if not more. Right. But it's wow. like, but like, uh, that was a win. That yeah. was huge. Right. Like yeah. when I hit like 50,000, like yeah. my kids made me cards. Like, yeah. and like in the grand scheme of life, my YouTube channel does not matter. Like it's inconsequential, yeah. but like, let's celebrate like yeah. even the smallest of win to create more excitement and momentum to eat more crap and keep moving oh, yeah. forward yeah. to celebrate other small wins later on down the oh, line. That, that totally, yeah, that resonates. So, like, it just reminded me of when I, I remember for the first 18 months of owning my gym, I didn't pay my, like I literally could not pay myself. I, you know, you just, you're running a business. My wife's paying our bills. And I remember like the first time I broke six figures, like running my gym. Nice. And, and then you remember, I remember the first time breaking six figures, running my gym and not coaching half the classes. Yeah. Right. Or, or so on and so on. But it's funny because I remember, I'll never forget. This is the first $500 I made ever. I remember, I, I like, I'll tear up when I think about it because the first $500, I wrote a check to myself. Cause back then I didn't even do AC. I, I didn't have the money to do the direct transfers yet. Cause that cost was like a $17 fee or something like that. So I remember I wrote myself a check for 500 bucks and I cashed it. Uh, I, I put it into my account. I remember I like sobbed. I yeah. sobbed because I was like, oh my gosh, I just paid myself $500 and I still like my job a lot. Yeah, you know? that's good. And I like that. That's like a greater, it's like, it's crazy because like no one would like, it's $500, dude. Yeah. You know, and it was a great, it was more, it was a more powerful moment than when I broke six figures. I believe also like you do, like in the power of uh, like, um, tangible goals and like, and, and physical reminders. Like, so this couch that I have sitting back here, I picked this couch out or this style of couch. I was like, one day I'd like to have in my office, 
like a cool brown leather couch that I like to sit on. Oh man. And I was like, can't afford one. But my wife and I made a deal. It was like a couple of years ago. And it was like, we were starting to see like good traction as far as like YouTube, like as a pathway towards like yeah. a career. And I was like, when I break six figures with, in, with like social media, YouTube and like all that stuff, I'm buying myself a couch and she went, you should, that's a mark mm. that you like attained a goal. Mm. And like, I hit it like two years ago and she was like, I think you should order that couch. Now I was like, Oh my gosh. So what's cool is like, I sit on it. Like it's, yeah. I'm sitting on the representation of evidence. So when I get discouraged, I sit on that couch. Cause I'm mm. like, like success has come like, and then there's times where like, like it dips off. Like I'm not doing so good. Like subscriber counts going down. No one's watching my videos for some reason. I'm like, I'm not doing anything yeah. different, but at least I have something to like anchor myself. So for me, like the couch is like a very small version or manifestation of like the presence and the power of Jesus in your life, yeah. which is like, this is going to sound really cheesy, but like sitting in the truth and the evidence and the reality that like Jesus hasn't left you mm. or forsaken you. So I need to find comfort in him daily. If I can do that, like I'm always winning, right? Like at the very, at the very least, like things may not feel like they're going right for me right now in my yeah. life, but, but God has set me on this path. I can be, I can be steadfast in that. I can find hope in that. I can yeah. kind of sit in it and feel some confidence and go, you know, like another day will come. Like I'm, I'm if I just keep cranking yeah. and keep grinding, I mean, you do it yeah. like you work, you do, you work in like the, like, um, athletic space or in like the workout space, right? Like, yeah. Like sometimes you have to go through a season where you plateau and then more games Absolutely. come later. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like it's the same thing spiritually, emotionally, career wise, mm -hmm. like sometimes you'll plateau and then more gains will come. Like mm -hmm. it's just part of the deal. Yeah. hundred percent. dude. Jesse. Um, uh, I'm just going to, uh, you, you have something else, Eric? I have, I have way too many things. So we, we, <laughs> okay. no, we need right, to right, take I, this offline. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesse, it's been, thank you so much, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. I, I think this, this episode is like just super rich with just, um, I think actual practical life stuff that we have to go through as yeah. men, as husbands, as entrepreneurs, as, as children of God, like sons. Yeah. Um, uh, we want to, we're going to, we always wrap up our, our podcast with like, uh, five kind of shotgun questions. All right. And they're okay. really quick. And we're going to, we're going to kind of sets us through our, our pillars. Right. So, um, with you, I'm going to, I'm going to start with, uh, from the bottom, Eric. So I'm going to say, um, how do you, how do you take care of, or how do you steward your, your wallet or your finances? Here, um, Ramsey stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a super like Dave Ramsey, like dude. So, um, every dollar like has a home. There's no dollar. That's there's no extra money. It's, it's money that's going someplace to serve a purpose. Um, so that's from, for us, it's a budget, it's a monthly budget meeting. Um, and it's stewarding that money like wisely. That's great. Good. Awesome. Um, how do you take care of your soul? Yeah. Um, actually the way that I take care of my soul kind of, it, it differs it, or excuse me, it varies depending on the season. Um, sometimes I'm like a voracious reader. Like I just crank through the Bible, through books and there's other seasons where I am not, I just don't want to read. And so sometimes I listen, um, the dwell app has like been huge at certain portions. Um, I'm right now I'm like, I'm playing around with like, uh, like Christian meditation 
But really, like, I think it's making sure no matter how it plays out is finding a time to be still and engage with the Lord is making sure you have that time. I don't care what it looks like, but you do have to carve out something, some time to make him a staple um, in your life every day. Mm. Eric, that word is still. It means to stop. How do you take care of your mind? Um, I read. So, uh, and I have a mixture. I, I always read three books at a time. Um, and some people can't do that. It drives people crazy. But I'm always trying to read a fiction book, um, some sort of nonfiction book, and then some sort of a historical book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that combination for me. So right now I am, um, I'm reading a book about Genghis Khan, like a huge biography about Genghis Khan. Um, I'm reading, um, I'm rereading like the monk and the merchant, which is kind of like my nonfiction book. And I just finished an amazing fiction series, uh, like with mages who snort gunpowder, like it's cocaine. It's a really weird series, a lot of fun though. Um, so I like it, it it's a balance of like facts and encouragement and creativity for me. Mm. I find it very weird that we went through this whole hour and a half and you didn't mention anything about board games, but anyway, that's true. Yeah. I love that as well. Go ahead. Eric. Oh man. Um, what do you do to take care of your heart or your emotions? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, I'm a communicator. Like I need to talk and talk things out. And I don't, I think that I used I used to think that I knew how I felt, but I've realized I do not know how I feel at any one given time. Mm. And so um, Mm. lately uh, in our marriage, we've instituted two things, which is um, committing to the talk, like Mm. committing to the conversation and then being willing to separate uh, for times of clarity. So, hey, I need 10, 20 minutes to think about this. Let's come back together. Mm. So um, conversation and clarity for, for me. Like that. And then uh, final one is just uh, how do you, how do you steward your body or your, your physical, what's your physical practice? Yeah. So, um, I try to stay physically active. I am taking like a little hiatus from jujitsu because it was hurting. It was hurting me because I'm a 37 year old white belt. Um, but I still have to do something. I actually just recently, this is, this is not like a, I'm not pumping or anything, but I bought a tonal system, like oh, the thing that mounts on fancy. the wall. Yeah. Um, okay. be- because and I know you're like, go to the gym, Jesse. But like, the, here's the thing <laughs> I read James Clear's book, atomic habits. And I realized I like the section about like environmental design, like creating an environment that will allow you easily to like accomplish things. It's very, very real to me. So like if I do, if I put the guitar in the middle of the room, I will play the guitar, but if I tuck it away, I will not go get it out. So the 15 to 20 minute drive to the gym, it's very demotivating for me. Yeah. (laughs) Much to my wife's like, like discomfort and frustration, I mounted the tonal on my wall in the bedroom right next to my bed. So she's like, she has this beautiful like ambiance in the room. And then there's this workout machine on the wall. And I'm like, it's either that or you get fat Jesse. So yeah. you figure out which one you want. Cause I'm doing yeah. the tonal. <laughs> I'll send you, I'll send you a picture of my bedroom later. Um, I used to have whoa, a bike. Whoa, whoa. Oh, well. It's same thing. It's like my wife, she's, she's, she loves a chip and Joe very, we got a very Magnolia, we got a Spanish house, but it's a very Magnolia farmhouse style interior because mm-hmm. that's how she remodeled it. And, uh, I used to have a bike in my garage yeah. because it was and check out my garage is literally like 20 steps away from my bedroom, but because it's my garage, never touched it like dusty, whatever brought it in. I ride it every day almost. And it's ugly. It's like, it, it takes up a ton of space. Uh, but it's there. Also, the other thing is I have a ton of like mobile, like uh, mobility tools right next to my bed. 
Um, if I don't have them there, I will not do it. Like I just, I, I won't do it. Um, but because it's there, it's in the way. It reminds me that it's there. She's annoyed that I have to put it away all the time. Um, but it's, it helps me with that practice of something that's important to me that I want to do. So I love that you, no judgment, man. I, th I think it's great. Any kind of exercise is great, dude. Yeah. Um, get it worse yeah. I always wondered who uses a tonal though. I have wondered that. This guy. So here we go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man. I really enjoyed yeah, this man. conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed it too. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for joining us today, guys. For more content, you can find us on Instagram at wethetrust or at wethetrust.com. If you'd like to connect further with Eric, you can find him on Instagram at Coach Eric Freedom. And if you'd like to connect further with me, Mario, you can find me on Instagram at the Mario Quesada. We'll see you next time.